Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Unbothered, your host Josh here. Today I'm going to be getting into the first Monday night football game of the year, the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. Mondays aren't as bad right now. We have Monday night football to look forward to. Then I react to Dak Prescott's injury from last night and a lot of other uh, questions, maybe some slight overreactions, a mulligan on everything that happened the week one. And then I'll also get to some college football, Nebraska firing Scott Frost, Michigan's quarterback decision, and my AP poll reaction. So let's get started with tonight's Monday night football game, the Denver Broncos visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Big game because this is Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. How good is he going to play? Are the emotions going to kick in? I think so. Uh, Last year, we saw Tom Brady go back to New England around four games in. And it was one of his, you know, worst games of the season uh, that day, I think, one touchdown throw. Uh, you could tell uh, there was a lot of emotion that game. The fan reception was great. And I expect a similar uh, reception and, you know, emotion for Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the championships, you know, delivered to Seattle uh, the extended 20 years like Tom Brady did, but he did win a Super Bowl there, was a fan favorite, uh, great impact on the community. What he did there was, you know, loved there. So I do think that Russell Wilson is going to receive a great reaction from the fans. Uh, and I do think there's going to be some emotion playing in uh, the fact that he's on the field that he played so many games at, CenturyLink Field, you know, renamed Lumen Field. Uh, and then just, you know, factoring in all the memories he had on that field with his teammates. I think it is going to be, you know, a difficult night for Russell Wilson considering he is such an emotional human. Uh, I do think the emotions are going to get to him. So I'm not going to be surprised if Russell Wilson starts out slow. Uh, If we see a more balanced attack like we saw in last night's uh, Tampa Bay uh, game where, you know, a lot of people expected Tom Brady as usual to just go in there and throw the ball a ton. But they were very balanced last night. I don't think we're going to see the let Russell cook mantra out tonight where Russell's uh, throwing the football 40 to 50 times tonight. I think we're going to be very balanced with the pass and the running game. Uh, You know, let Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon uh, do their thing, open up play action, you know, not take too many shots with Russell Wilson, because I do think the emotion is going to be a part of it. Uh, So, I have the Broncos winning. I'm going to leave it at that. Denver is going to win this game with a balanced rushing attack. And I think an underrated defense, a defense that hasn't received a lot of noise, that have gotten a lot of attention. 
but it's a defense I like a lot. Bradley, your outside linebackers, Bradley Chubb or Randy Gregory, who came over from the Dallas Cowboys, and then your defensive backs, Pat Sertan and uh, Justin Simmons. So, again, an underrated defense, and I think they're going to look very good tonight. Of course, that's not saying much uh, because Seattle has really uh, nothing, you know, going for them uh, at all in terms of offense. Geno Smith starting. We saw him in his limited starts last year. He looked awful. He's terrible. Uh, I expect that to continue tonight. Uh, Maybe they'll have, you know, a nice throw to Lockett or to DK Metcalf, but I just expect one of those. Uh, I think the only chance they have is if Rashad Penny goes off like we saw at the end of last year. Rashad Penny finished with two great games, I think 100, you know, 90 rushing yards, 170 rushing yards in back-to-back games. That's going to be the type of performance they need, uh, but I don't see that happening. And then defensively, Seattle, it's they're terrible. Uh, you know, worst passing defense last year, one of the worst, you know, defenses in terms of yards allowed. I do think they're going to get beat, beat handily. Uh, but I don't think the score will really reflect that. Uh, you know, I think Denver wins by two touchdowns, and but the game never really feels close. But I would like to see, uh, you know, as much as I don't think this, I would like Russell Wilson to kind of sling six or seven touchdowns tonight and really, you know, prove to Russell Wilson – uh, or prove to Pete Carroll and John Schneider uh, that they made the mistake. You know, all the news that have come out the past week regarding the Seahawks and their interest in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes wanting to trade Russell Wilson before this offseason. Pete Carroll taking a slight dig at Russell. You know, coaching against him is not going to be any different than coaching against anyone else. So you have all these things. All, the, all these, you know, factors that could really motivate Russell Wilson to just have a tremendous game. Uh, but again, with the motion in place, don't think that'll be the case. But I would love for, you know, Russell Wilson to take every jab that the Seahawks have put out for the past week uh, and have each jab be a touchdown on the Seattle Seahawks. That's what I'd love for me to see. I don't think so. You know, I don't think there's going to be any noise after a game because Russell Wilson is a class act in the NFL. Uh, Great guy. Denver Broncos win with a balanced offensive attack and an underrated defense. That's going to show up tonight. But again, Seattle has nothing going for them. Offensively, they're going to be one of the worst teams. Defensively, they'll be one of the worst. And after tonight will be able to say that the AFC West or NFC West, which was the best division a year ago, is going to be all 0-1 to start the year. Uh, Great club for those NFC West teams. And the Seattle Seahawks will join them as the worst of the 0-1 bunch in that division. Now let's get to Dak Prescott's. Injury. I'm going to talk about the game 
after this, but first I just want to highlight Dak's injury. He's going to be out six to eight weeks uh, due to a finger injury that he sustained on back-to-back tackles, Uh, went to the locker room right away, and then uh, got the news right after the game to Mike McCarthy. Uh, You could hear him say, you've got to be kidding, so we thought... You know, it wasn't just a minor finger injury. Jerry Jones confirmed that uh, he's going to need some surgery and be out six to eight weeks, which is a big deal, uh, especially to begin the season. We've seen three finger injuries in the past. Russell Wilson last year, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as well, Matthew Stafford a few years ago. So, you know, finger injuries are common uh, to quarterbacks, you know, to me more than other injuries. Because defenders are trying to swap the ball down, get the ball out of your hand, you know, jam your finger pretty easily. But unfortunately for Dak, he's out six to eight weeks. Now, I hope he gets better, uh, feels better in his back. But this unofficially ends the Dallas Cowboys season. Uh, They could be in 10 weeks or when Dak gets back the worst team in their division. And it's not really a stretch uh, because to me, Dak was, you know, was a fringe top 10 quarterback hovering around, you know, the 10th spot right there, 10 or 11. So with Cooper Rush, whoever's there, uh, it's going to be a long six to eight weeks for Cowboy fans. They've got the Bengals coming up that could very much be, 0-2, I expect the Bengals to rebound. Uh, But after that, we play the Giants. Giants, impressive win over the Titans. That could be another loss. Then after the Commanders, Commanders toughed one out against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I'm not taking too much stock in that. Then they play the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, So four tough games right there. Then they play the Eagles, and Eagles offensively looked very good. Then they play the Lions, and you know I'm bullish on the Lions. Bears impressive win yesterday. And then you're looking at him coming back, you know, in November, sometime mid-November, I think Packers might be a realistic one, and that's in Lambeau. That could be a loss. Then the Vikings, uh, I thought with Dak, they could win that, but without Minnesota look yesterday. And if Dak's not there, that could very much go to Minnesota. Uh, So this is over for the Dallas Cowboys. This has ended their season, and I'm taking my one mulligan where I can change a pick after the season started. Before the season, I said Dallas Cowboys were going to edge out the Philadelphia Eagles for the division by a half game because they had the better quarterback. Well, that not being the case, I am officially changing that to my 50-50 to the Philadelphia Eagles since Dak Prescott is injured. I am slotting the Eagles uh, in the division now, so that means they would finish fourth. Uh, The Rams would still be five, and I believe uh, six I had – the Arizona Cardinals, 
I still think that even after the humiliating loss yesterday. But now I think the seventh team of that gets in is the New Orleans Saints is who I have getting into that final spot. And I think the Dallas Cowboys miss the season entirely because of this injury. It's not, you know, hold out till Dak comes back or, you know, wait till he comes back because your season is over at that point. Uh, the Cowboys are missing the playoffs. It's over for them. Eagles are winning the division. Uh, better luck next year, Dallas Cowboys fans. Uh, can't be touted. And this is our year anymore because your year ended in one game with the Dak Prescott injury. Because you're not going to stay afloat with Cooper Rush. Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard are not those guys. Offensive line is a mess. Uh, wide receivers had issues yesterday. Defense outside of Micah Parsons is doesn't look good. So, Cowboys, it's over for them. Uh, and then again, it's been over for them the past 26 years. Uh, but we can confidently say the Cowboys are not winning their division or winning a playoff game, making the playoffs this year. So let's get to the rest of week one. Uh, let's stay in that game last night. The Tampa Bay Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, even before Dak's injury, which happened in the fourth quarter, they were getting walloped. It was, you know, 19-3. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay never uh, had the lead taken away from them. But Tampa Bay felt like, you know, they were in control most of the night. Uh, the defense was great to me. It was the best defensive performance of week one. Uh, you know, everybody talking about the Dallas Cowboys having the number one offense last year. Uh, how are the Bucks going to stop them? And the Bucks defense looked great. Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield. And the secondary looks fantastic. Antoine Winfield playing a little more slot. Looked great. Interception. The linebackers, Levante David, Devin White, the best linebacker duo in the league. And then the defensive line, Shaq Barrett, Treon Shinko looks fast. Akeem Hicks, Vita Vea. I mean, this defense is stacked. And I think, you know, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, it was one of the best defenses in the league, or I should say, uh, it was a 2021 Super Bowl. It wasn't even two years ago. Uh, but they looked great. And in this past season, even though they had everybody back, it looked like they didn't play with the same intensity. Uh, but yesterday, that defense looked stout. Todd Bowles still calling plays for the defense. Didn't blitz as much. And I think that's very smart with how the league is going, with how these wide receivers look. He played more of a base shell defense. And with the front four, maybe occasionally bringing in a fifth with all the stunts uh, that Todd Bowles incorporates into his defense, his linebackers and the defensive line, the defense looks rock solid. Uh, I was surprised, but being able to hold Dak as, when he was in to just three points, you know, I thought was truly uh, fantastic. I thought they did, you know, 
a great job, you know, holding everybody uh, to just about nothing. You know, Dak Prescott had a QBR of 15.3, only threw for 134 yards. Uh, and then running the football, they only had 71 yards carrying the football as well. They did a great job on C.D. Lamb out of 11 targets. They only had two receptions, a couple of drops, a couple of bad throws, but the defense was good on him. Leading receiver was Noah Brown, and you can live with that. Uh, but overall, great job by the defense, forcing a turnover, not taking too many penalties. So the defense, I thought, for Tampa Bay was tremendous. Uh, offensively, I thought Tampa Bay had a lot more uh, to be desired. I thought they were going to come in a bit better. I thought Leonard Fournette uh, was exceptional last night. He ran for 127 yards on 21 carries, average six. He looked great. Uh, I thought the way they incorporated Julio Jones was good as well. Uh, he looked good. Chris Godwin had a catch, and he left the game with a hamstring injury. Hopefully, that's not a big deal, and Mike Evans looked good as well. Uh, Tom Brady had a a bad interception, only a QBR of 53.4. He didn't look super sharp. Uh, a couple of good throws, but a long underthrow to Julio Jones led in a drop and a bad interception. So I think Tom Brady can still play a touch better than what he did. And I think the team overall uh, in the red zone uh, can play better. They were just one for three in the red zone. Just settled for field goals. Ryan Suckup missed a field goal. Uh, so to me, that's one thing they need to work on. But I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I'm really worried about Tampa Bay offense. I'm not going to overreact to that at all. Uh, but the highlight of the game was Leonard Fournette dropping Micah Parsons on a chip block. I mean, Micah Parsons didn't see it, and Leonard Fournette dropped that man. It was great to see because Donovan Smith, left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, comes out due to injury, hyperextended elbow. Hopefully he returns soon. So you've got Josh Wells in there, wasn't doing a great job, so... They moved Cameron Bray over to whichever side uh, Micah Parsons was or Leonard Fournette for an extra uh, chip on him, and it worked out. They did a great job of neutralizing him this offensive line, which was you know much maligned. This offensive line can't do anything. They were great in run protection uh, last night, and then in pass protection, I think they did an admirable job. Tom Brady with the sixth sense of knowing the pocket, uh, when it's going to break down, maneuvering in there better than anyone. I'm not worried about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all. Solid one yesterday. All right, next, New Orleans-Atlanta. Very close game. Closer than expected. In Atlanta, very much could have won this game. They were up uh, for most of the game. They were up 26-10. to 10 you know, with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And a great comeback by the New Orleans Saints, and particularly Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas, I thought were, were just tremendous. Uh, Jameis Winston, uh, high P 
PFF grade yesterday around 93 uh, through two touchdowns. Uh, Jarvis Landry, 114 yards. Michael Thomas, uh, 57 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, they were great there near the end of the game, uh, you know, getting uh, two touchdowns uh, there. And then the game-winning field goal with 19 seconds left. Uh, Atlanta had him on the ropes. You know, I thought Marcus Mariota played really solid. Cordero Patterson, again, picked up where he left off last year. Uh, Drake London, Zacchaeus, you know, all were good. It just wasn't enough. Great comeback for New Orleans. But I thought this New Orleans defense was going to be a lot better. I know it's a division game, uh, but they have some things to shore up there. Uh, you know, they need to be able to get to a quarterback, uh, you know, and stop a quarterback like Marcus Mariota as well. But great win for the New Orleans Saints overall. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow with a very uncharacteristic game yesterday. Uh, five turnovers by him. Four interceptions. A fumble. Uh, thankfully that was recovered. But Joe Burrow... Turnover prone yesterday. Uh, usually he's cool, calm, and collected. Yesterday he was a little too cool. A lot of those interceptions he threw were on him. Uh, he also took seven sacks. And I thought the offensive line played a little better than when we last saw them in the Super Bowl. But can still play a lot better. Uh, but one thing to note on the sacks as well from Joe Burrow is sometimes you have to know when to throw the ball away. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow likes to take his time in the pocket, really dissect, throw the ball. But he's got to have uh, Josh Allen, Tom Brady release. And that's why I think there's a distinction between the top four quarterbacks in the league uh, and, like, a top tier. To me, you have, like, your elite, elite tier and, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady... Uh, Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, and then you have your next tier of guys, uh, which are solid, but you just can't compare them yet to the greats that have won MVPs and just do everything technically right. So the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, the Russell Wilson, the Matthew Staffords, they're all good, but there's things I don't like about them, which I don't find and those other four quarterbacks, those are, you know, the streakiness of a quarterback play. The high interceptions, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, taking sacks a lot, Joe Burrow, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, your pre-snap routine, all those guys uh, are unfair with the elites. So Joe Burrow's got to do a better job of, you know, realizing the pressure just throwing the ball away, not taking sacks, not taking damage, not throwing bad interceptions. And the fact that they still had a chance to win the game was really surprising. Uh, yesterday, you know, Joe Mixon played good. The defense uh, played good. Trubisky was efficient, but wasn't great at all. Uh, Najee Harris, you know, the Bengals did a great job of bottling him up. 
you know, 10 carries on 23 yards pretty much uh, had him ineffective as well. So I thought this Bengals defense was great. Still put him in a chance to win the game. But this was a game as well. Kicking issue. Kicker missed, uh, uh, what's his name? McPherson uh, missed an extra point to win the game. It was blocked uh, by Micah Parsons. And then in overtime, a field goal to win the game. And he missed that one as well. Uh, so McPherson, I know, you know, the hot backups long snapper was in a couple of bad snaps. The laces weren't turned, so the holder didn't do well. But, I mean, the Bengals really let this one slip through their fingers. But I'm not going to overreact to this. Last year, Joe Burrow, I think against the Bears week two or week three, threw three interceptions. So, uh he can have this game, have this loss. He's going to learn from it. They're going to play better. Uh, so I'm not worried about the Cincinnati Bengals in the long run at all. Next up, San Francisco and Chicago. Uh, very disappointing performance by Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers uh, offensively could not get much going. And now, crazy downpour of rain, deluge, the floodgates opened, you know, third quarter-ish, fourth quarter. Uh, and at that time, there was really no coming back. Uh, so I thought San Francisco, if they could just manage the game well, could hold on with all the rain coming down. But... Justin Fields in the fourth quarter was outstanding. Uh, I thought Trey Lance kind of had the better of him the whole game, but then the fourth quarter came and Justin Fields delivered for the Chicago Bears uh, was simply great in that storm. Uh, I was very you know pleased with what I saw from Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears who I thought were going to be another bottom team in the NFL. But they showed resiliency, they showed toughness, and they sent the 49ers home with a loss. A loss that doesn't look very good. And, you know, with how the NFC West shook up, the 49ers had their stamp, had their chance yesterday. Uh, but again, Trey Lance did not to me, look good in any asset of the game. He looked good running the football, has the clear um, uh, ability to do that, make plays with his legs. But to me, next week will be a more fair evaluation when he plays Seattle. Hopefully, it'll be more ideal conditions. And then, you know, I don't want to bring up Jimmy Garoppolo's name too early uh, into this uh, after one game because it's just week one. Anything can happen week one. But uh, that loss is going to sting. One that they let slip away, which they had the lead uh, for a majority of this game. You know, and let uh, the Bears score 19 unanswered points. I thought defense played relatively well. 
but one thing they have to also, you know, tone down is uh, penalties. Uh, 99 penalty yards, 12 penalties total. That's going to hurt your team. So that's one thing Kyle Shanahan's got to work on with this team uh, and clean up moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. Miami and New England. Miami looked great. This is who I thought they were going to be in a high-flying offense uh, with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and that was the case. Uh, stormed out early. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, uh, all facets were on. I thought Tua uh, looked sharp. Uh, his uh, connection there with Jalen Waddell, it's evident, but also involving Tyreek Hill as well into the passing game. You know, led the team in targets with 12, eight receptions, 94 yards. Didn't get into the end zone, but his effect on the field was known. A uh, couple of great, you know, battles while the ball was up in the air. He was able to come down with it. And then with having Tyreek, it opens up. Uh, Jalen Waddle more. It opens up the running game more. Chase Edmonds looked decent. Same with Raheem Mostert and kind of using a run play as well for both Waddle and Hill. Uh, Mike McDaniel, terrific, terrific offensive head coach. I do think he's missed already by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and then defensively, Miami, Byron Jones uh, with the uh, Strip sack on Mac Jones. Xavier Howard with an acrobatic uh, flip for an interception. So, Dolphins are the real deal. If they can keep this up, they're going to be very dangerous. And like I thought as well, New England would take a step back. Mac Jones would regress a little bit. And the Patriots with Joe Judge and uh, Matt Patricia calling the offense... It didn't look good. They really couldn't get anything going. Uh, if I'm Bill Belichick, and I see how the AFC is right now with the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar, all those guys, and I got Mac Jones, it's kind of the worst of the young quarterback bunch, and I've got the worst team of that bunch as well out of all those great AFC teams. I might be looking at retirement. Uh, if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm retiring. I got my rings. I've got my money. It's time to be done, Bill. No one you've been beat. No one to quit. And know that you're not winning another ring with the New England Patriots ever. Uh, Miami looked good. Uh, New England is battling for the third best team in this division. Something that's never been the case before with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But New England is taking not only the backseat, but their end of a trunk now. Baltimore and the Jets. Baltimore started off relatively slow. Uh, only a 10-3 lead at half. Uh, but then after that, they really took off. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I thought... Made a couple of just outstanding plays uh, with his arm yesterday. Uh, the Devin Duvernay pass and the Rashad Bateman pass in the third quarter 
were great. And I like the fact that he did most of his damage from the pocket yesterday. That's what I want to see from Lamar Jackson. And I think now with that contract extension, he does have something to prove. Uh, you know, I was bearish on the MVP candidacy for Lamar Jackson. I still am. But if Lamar can keep doing what he's doing and replicate that yesterday from a pocket, this is a very good sign for him moving forward, for this team moving forward. If he only has six carries, two of those design quarterback runs, uh, then that is very, very good for this team and I think for growth as well. I'm still not in love with their weapons, uh, but if Lamar Jackson is throwing accurately, accurately to Bateman, Duvernay, then they are going to have to go out and make some plays and prove that they're NFL caliber players. Jacksonville and Washington. This was one I had on upset alert. I thought Jacksonville could pull it off. I thought Doug Peterson could be his former quarterback. And oh, I was so, so close to being right. Uh, great game back and forth. Washington had the early lead going into halftime, 14-3. to But then the next kind of, you know, quarter and five minutes went to the Jaguars. And in the fourth quarter, they took a 22-14 to lead. And I thought, hey, the Jaguars got this. But Carson Wentz came back. Terry McLaurin, great pass from Carson Wentz. Uh, made it 22-20. to Then another pass with two minutes left. Washington uh, got the touchdown. And they didn't look back. And they won 28-22. Carson Wentz threw four touchdown passes uh, yesterday. Looked good to me. Uh, Trevor Lawrence also looked good, uh, but the big plays Carson Wentz made over Trevor Lawrence. Antonio Gibson in the backfield did good, uh, and then in the receiving game, that's where he did a lot of damage. Seven receptions, 72 yards, led the team in yards and reception. Uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, 11 targets, 55 yards. Carson Wentz was distributing the ball. Uh, and I think he had seven or eight, you know, receivers, uh, you know, catch a ball and receivers. That's, you know, running back, tight end, wide receiver. But Carson Wentz did a great job. And Jaguars, I thought, showed definite improvement from last year. Uh, it's just, you know, being a bottom dweller, basement team, you're going to have to make an extra play, make a bigger play than the other team to win the game. That wasn't the case yesterday. But I think moving forward, the Jaguars showed a lot of life and showed that, hey, they've improved from, you know, the disaster, disgrace of a head coach, which is Urban Meyer. Cleveland and Carolina. Baker's revenge game. And we got Baker. We got classic Baker. Uh, you know, had the passing coach for Deshaun Watson say, you know, tweet during the game halfway through, this is Baker. Uh, you know, Cleveland was up 20-7. to 7. Baker wasn't playing particularly well. 
of this Carolina team wasn't playing particularly well. And then in the fourth quarter, Baker, underdog, you know, comeback and, you know, had the seven-yard touchdown run, but 75-yard pass to Robbie Anderson. We're in business. And then they kick a field goal with a minute left to go up by one point. So, you know, you go up by one point with a minute left, uh, and there's nothing the quarterback can do. Uh, the defense has to come up, make a play, you know, stop them from, you know, winning the game. And there was a very, very questionable roughing call on Brian Burns. You know, didn't look that big. And to me, that's the one thing I would like to see in the NFL with these roughing calls is a more definitive rule. I get the hits to the head for a quarterback. And when you're, you know, tackling the quarterback, you know, not to drive the quarterback down with all your weight on him. There's certain things I get. But yesterday in that game, that call is one that I just cannot get behind. And to me, cost Carolina this game. Uh, but defensively, Carolina has to be better. Nick Chubb torched uh, the Carolina defense. Uh, even offensively, Baker has to start better. Uh, poor interception, taking sacks, uh, didn't look relatively well. In the pocket. Christian McCaffrey. Didn't look good as well. Had like one good run. Which was off a fumble from Baker. Which Christian picked up. But. uh, You know. Carolina as well. Has to play better. And it starts with Baker. You can't be coming from behind. Weekly in this league. This was Baker's chance to come out. And prove it. He led the comeback in the fourth quarter. But this is a 60-minute game. It's a four-quarter game. I'm glad he played good in four quarter in the fourth quarter. But there's three other quarters to perform well in. So bad start for the Carolina Panthers. And Cleveland snuck out a win here against them. Next up, Indianapolis and Houston. This one might have been, to me, the most surprising outcome uh, of the week, in my opinion, uh, because it ended in a tie. And I thought there would be a tie in the season this year. There's always a tie. But to start off the season, Colts-Texans in a tie, uh, you know, that wasn't good. And to me... Uh, the Colts did not look good at all for the first three quarters. Much like the Carolina Panthers. They were down 20-3 to going into the fourth quarter. Then they had a great fourth quarter. Scored 17 unanswered points. Uh, but then in overtime, Rodrigo missed a game-winning field goal. That was big. Uh, but the Texans couldn't do anything with that, so they ended up tying. Uh, Matt Ryan, to me, just looked average pedestrian, kind of like how he's been the past few years with Atlanta. Just 
your average quarterback. That's what he was yesterday. Uh, threw an interception, a touchdown, threw for 350 yards. Quarterback rating of 48.2. Jonathan Taylor really picked it up there in the second half, running for 161 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, to me... Uh, this might be my overreaction of a week, but I'm firing Frank Reich. I think he's a good coach. Don't think he's a great coach. Uh, you know, we've seen now last year in the clutch games, last two games, he was out coached, uh, against the Raiders and the loss they had, and then against the Jaguars. And then yesterday, his team didn't look prepared for the Texans. A team, I picked to win the division and the Tennessee Titans win this game. And you tie with the Titans. Or tie with the Texans. If I'm Jim Irsay, I'm firing Frank Reich. Frank Reich's not my guy. Uh, he's a good coach. He's a 500 coach. But he's not the coach to take me there. And do they have the team to win the Super Bowl? No. But they have a team to win the division. They have a team to beat the Texans and not tie with them. That's an issue right there in itself. I fire Frank Reich because uh, I cannot have Davis Mills and the Texans tying with me. It's inexcusable for the Indianapolis Colts. Philadelphia and Detroit. Great game by Detroit. To me, Detroit, you know, has to be proud uh, of their offensive display, especially their running backs, uh, both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams got two touchdowns on the goal line. DeAndre Swift, 15 carries, 144 yards a touchdown. Had 31 receiving yards as well. St. Brown was good. Uh, DJ Charks, uh, uh, Jared Goff, I thought played well, but had the biggest mistake in the game, which was a pick six. Uh, can't defend that. Can't defend a pick six. And then Detroit defensively, I thought they're from four. They were able to get to Jalen Hurts, force him out of a pocket, but the linebackers were not fast enough to get Jalen Hurts and the secondary is bad. A.J. Brown yesterday looked like the best wide receiver in football. 10 receptions, 155 yards, career high. He looked fantastic yesterday. He was the guy. Uh, and Detroit had no answer of stopping him. They could not stop the Philly offense a lick. You know, high-scoring game between both teams, you know, Philly with 455 total yards decimated the Detroit defense. But I thought the Detroit offense was good as well. They had 385 total yards. Very balanced running and passing the football. But again, the secondary was not good enough in the pick six. And then at the end of the game... Uh, it was a fourth and one, you know, with like 50 seconds left. So Eagles get it. They win. They don't. Lions get it. And very 
questionable. That's the one thing I don't like about these QB sneaks is uh, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, appeared to cross the line, but his body wasn't down, so he wasn't down by contact or anything like that because he was riding the offensive line. A Detroit Lion player takes the ball, but then that's when they start blowing the whistle after that happens. So, you know, the one thing I don't like about the fourth and one is it's basically guaranteed uh, if you do a QB sneak, you know, that you kind of get it, you know. Uh, but I thought the Lions did a great job. They have a lot to hang their hats on. Uh and improve on, you know, they have things to work on, of course, defensively, uh, Jared Goff as well. Uh, but I thought overall, Detroit played a heck of a game against the Philadelphia Eagles, a team a lot think can win the division, went, go to the NFC Championship game. So I thought this was very encouraging for the Lions, A, to score, you know, 35 points yesterday. That was more than the Bills scored. That was more than the Bucks scored. Uh, you know, they had the, you know, just after one week in terms of points per game, Detroit's third in the league behind the Eagles who beat them and the Kansas City Chiefs. So Detroit played great. Philly's going to win the division. It, to me, that was a very entertaining and exciting game right there. The New York Giants and the Tennessee Titans. Uh... Giants won that one, and that's another inexcusable loss for the Tennessee Titans, uh, who were up this game. They were in control. I thought Ryan Tannehill played great. You know, Derrick Henry was himself. Uh, but they just could not get it done. They gave the Giants too many opportunities uh, and then running the football, or their rush defense, Tennessee was bad. Uh, Saquon looked like the old Saquon. 18 carries, 164 yards. That's an average per carry of 9.1 yards. That's basically a first down every time he touches the ball. Uh, the Tennessee defense, they have to tighten that up. Because uh, if you're going to let one person just beat you, then that's a problem. And then they go for two. Kudos to Brian Dable for having the guts to go for two to win the game instead of tying and going into overtime. But they got it, and they got a big win yesterday. The two-point play called off. Congratulations. Minnesota and Green Bay. I thought Minnesota would win this one, and they won it convincingly. A uh, couple of gripes I had with Green Bay in this game uh, one of them being the coaching of Matt LaFleur, who I don't think is a great coach. He proved yesterday by not letting Jair uh, Alexander shadow Justin Jefferson, I believe. Jair was only on Justin Jefferson for five plays. Uh, four of those hold him to no yards. One of those drew an offensive pass interference. Uh, I thought Jair did excellent. So especially in key downs, third downs, not having Jair on him, and just kind of a defense that they played. No, uh, you know, cloud coverages, no disguise coverages. Uh, a unit which I think is top five uh, didn't play up to it. The play calling uh, 
wasn't up to it. So defensively, they have some things to figure out. Offensively, they were going in shorthanded. No Allen Lazard. No left tackle Bakhtiari. No right tackle Elchton Jenkins. So I thought it was going to be rough for them, especially with Zyderia Smith playing with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Danielle Hunter uh, playing back healthy. And that was the case for the Packers. I thought Aaron Rodgers was poised for the most part. Uh, threw a bad interception. Uh, but the you know, rookies had a couple drops. Uh, Watson, uh, you know, dubs. But Aaron Rodgers had some great throws. He had a couple miscues. Uh, the communication wasn't there. But again, this is week one. I'm not overreacting to the Green Bay Packers. Last year, they got beat worse than this. I think it was 38-3. to They didn't get a touchdown against the Saints in the opening year last year. Again, it was on the road. And then after that, they went 13-3. and uh, And, you know, last game of the year was meaningless, which they lost. So, really, uh, it was a 13-2 and stretch that they had. I'm not worried about the Green Bay Vikings. There's going to be some things to work out. Of course, there's going to be growing pains without Devontae Adams. But I'm not going to overreact to one week with the Green Bay Packers because I've seen this story before in the past. And then with Minnesota, it's a division game. uh, But I'm not sold on Minnesota. I thought, you know, Justin Jefferson's a great wide receiver. And I can tell Kevin O'Connell is from the Sean McVay tree. From Sean McVay Jr., very similar offense in you know, getting Justin Jefferson open like Cooper Cup. But the one thing I worry with the Vikings, with how good Justin Jefferson is, like how good Devontae Adams is uh, and Cooper Cup, that Justin Jefferson in this offense, they can be too Justin Jefferson dependent. Uh, he had 11 targets, 9 receptions yesterday, and nobody else even had a half of 11 targets. Everybody else had five or less. And in terms of reception, uh, second most on the team was third, and that was Thielen, Cook, Osborne. So if they're two Justin Jefferson dependent, and there's a team that shuts him down, that can be rough. And I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins. Yes, he had one good game, but primetime comes out next week. We'll see. Kansas City and Arizona. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was outcoached by Andy Reid, and that's simply what it was. Uh, Kansas City showed up to work, uh, ready to play. Everything was in order. Everything was great, and Arizona looked lost. This team looked like they were a chicken running around with their head cut off. It was bad. It was 23-7 to at halftime. It was 37-7. to at the end of the third quarter, final score was 44-21. Kyler Murray looked inept. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know what he's doing. This team has no depth defensively. You can do anything you want to them. You can run on them. You can pass on them. Uh, Arizona's defense that first seven games last year was a sham. It was smoke and mirrors. Uh we saw a real Cardinal defense for the final eight weeks and then yesterday. And then just again, to me, the biggest thing, the lack of preparation. Cliff Kingsbury, what are you doing? Kyler Murray, 
you need to be better prepared as well. There was a reason you had a study clause in your contract. Didn't look like anybody was prepared for this game. To me, that starts with a head coach, but no player looked prepared. Kyler Murray didn't look prepared. Uh, just a very unclean game all around by the Arizona Cardinals, and the Kansas City Chiefs looked great. Now you have people saying, this offense is even better without Tyreek Hill. I'm not going that far because they're playing the Cardinals. And with Tyreek, you can take shots downfield. Tyreek will dust people. A Juju Smith-Schuster just looked all right. He had a fumble, a drop. He was an impressive, to me, Travis Kelsey is the focal point. But when they're behind and they need to, you know, get quick scores... I don't think they can get those quick scores like they did with Tyreek Hill. And to me, they'll really be tested Thursday night against the Chargers, which I think will be a great, 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 great game Thursday night football. Uh, congratulations to the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Offense looked fantastic. And finally, Las Vegas and the Chargers. Uh, this is one I've had my great pick I thought would be Las Vegas. And it was all undone by the play of one Derek Carr uh, through three interceptions. Inexcusable. You know, the one to me which was his worst, you know, all of them were bad. Uh, but the one, Devontae Adams had a, you know, basically a streak route, a vertical route. Uh, beat the cornerback, he you know, waved his hand, he had about three yards of separation. So if you throw the ball in front of Devontae, it's a touchdown. Derek Carr underthrew it bad, and it had not just one charger catch up to it who picked it off, but another charger catch up to it. Derek Carr has got to be better. Uh, the three interceptions were bad, they're mostly on him, and they win that game if he plays better. Uh, but I thought, other than his terrible interceptions, the offense looked good. The second half, they were able to sustain more of a run game. Devontae Adams, of course, to me, is the best wide receiver in the league. He showed that. Darren Waller, great tight end. So I'm not worried about that. You know, the defense, I wish Max Crosby and Chandler Jones were able to get to Justin Herbert. They did a great offensive line, but they were able to stop a run, stop Austin Eckler, uh, but Derek Carr, main culprit for the L yesterday. Now let's finish up with some college football. First off, Nebraska fired Scott Frost, and you know a lot of losses will do it. You know I think he was sixteen or nineteen and thirty-one in his you know four years with Nebraska, four or five years. But a loss to Georgia Southern, that'll do it. That's a nail in your coffin. You lose to Georgia Southern, uh, it is over for you. The one-point losses, you know, you after a while you just have enough. Of course, you're fine if you're Scott Frost because with a buyout, it's $15 million. But they just needed to get him out of the building. Uh, they need to get his losing ways, uh, every way to lose a game possible can be found in his 31 losses, his time with Nebraska. 
He lost a game every which way imaginable. Uh, missed field goal, uh, you know, driving down the field to win the game, a fumble, and, you know, bad clock management. I mean, Scott Frost has got all the losses in his library, you know, packed up. So we'll see what Nebraska does. If they turn a new leaf, if they hire a coach in season, if they just enter him out this season and chalk it up. Uh, but Scott Frost needed to go. Next up, Alabama and Georgia. I thought it would be close, but I didn't think it would be that close. Texas played great. I believe they would have won if Quinn Ewers wouldn't have gotten injured. Uh, he was playing really good football. This team was playing really good. Uh, that was big. The other miscue was Texas at the end of the first half. Kicker just forgot how to kick and missed like a 20-yard field goal. That's a problem. That can't happen. And then at the end of the game, Bryce Young proved why he's the Heisman favorite. Front runner was just clutch on clutch. Texas missed a sack, but I thought it was encouraging. And Texas had the opportunity, but you have to seize the opportunity. And Texas didn't do that. In other college football news, J.J. McCarthy is the official quarterback moving forward for Michigan. There is no more question marks, no more uh, going at it between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. Jim Harbaugh said that J.J. has earned it based on his performance, based on merit. And I agree. J.J. McCarthy has won in completion the past two weeks. Uh, the deep ball... It's clearly there with J.J. Morgan Cade. The quick decision-making, the quick release, the timing, the accuracy, the ability to run as well, extend the plays, it's going J.J.'s way. And I'm thankful J.J.'s in. But I'm not here to trash Cade. I thought Cade was great last year. He is a person, and if Michigan can sustain this success, you know, for years on out uh, with Jim Harbaugh, I can credit Cade McNamara as a quarterback that turned this Michigan program around for being efficient, calm, cool in the pocket, uh, resurrecting Michigan from the torture of, you know, is Jim going to be fired? Is this still a good program? Cade beat Ohio State. I can credit him with that for making the playoffs as the starting quarterback for Michigan taking Michigan to a Big Ten championship game, winning that, going 12-2. and Can't take that away from Cade. So I'm appreciative of what Cade has done, uh, her going 12-2. and And I think Michigan's ceiling with Cade is going to the college football playoff semifinal and losing it. With JJ, the ceiling is winning it all. So it's minor, uh, minor slash major, but there is a big difference. And then if Kate can just stay happy and there can't be too much noise now, Michigan can have a very special season. And then my reaction of AP poll is the top five that there is would be my top five power rankings. Clemson five, Michigan four, Ohio State two, Al or Ohio State three, Alabama now two. They dropped a spot after that close one to Texas 
and Georgia's now number one after a dominant win. I think Georgia might be there the rest of the year as well. Uh, you know, wacky Saturday. A uh, lot of teams lost, almost lost. Alabama had the close loss or close win. Notre Dame lost. Texas A&M lost. Pittsburgh lost. So, you know, Florida lost. So, wacky Saturday. Baylor lost. So, weird, weird, weird Saturday. Let's see. You know, I think it'll course correct this coming week uh, with not too many marquee matchups. See if teams fine-tune before uh, conference play really starts up. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.